we can all think about it. We can all understand it. It'd be, it'd be ideal if we could thirst no more, right? Well, you think about that as far as, as athletics and, and events and things and, and, and getting outside and being in the heat. You know, it would be amazing if you could just not have to be thirsty and be kind of a, a, a benefit for things. But the title of the message is Thirst No More. We'll be in John chapter 4. And looking at 14 verses of Scripture in John chapter 4 this morning, something's important to me. I want to emphasize a few things about it. I want to talk a few to you about a couple things, the way Jesus talks about being thirsty. During our Bible study this past Wednesday evening, I had the opportunity to, to speak in, in William's place uh, this past Wednesday. And we were in the book of Ephesians. We looked at some, some really important Scripture in the book of Ephesians. We looked at the difference between life and death. Ephesians has a lot to say about that. Paul puts a lot of emphasis on it. We looked at what the Word had to say about the subject of life and death. We discussed the distinct differences between these two situations. Man, there's no similarities between life and death. They're completely opposite. They're on opposite ends of the spectrum. We looked at the distinct differences between these two. We looked at what focus of life was and what it's centered on. When you think about life, what is it centered on? We looked at that. We had an, an emphasis on that. We looked at what the focus of death was centered on. And those are two things that are important. If you want to go back and look at Ephesians chapter 2, uh, there's some good information in there that talks about life and death. And if you want to uh, uh, talk to me about it, I'd certainly be glad to talk to you. But this morning, I want us to open up God's Word together and focus on what Jesus says about the source of life. And that's what's important. That was kind of, Wednesday was kind of like a, a setting the stage kind of thing for this morning. And when I was studying all of the Scripture together, that's what I was using it for, to help me focus on what Jesus says is the source of life. I've spent the majority of my life studying human life from a medical standpoint, 43 years in medicine. I've spent the most of my life studying the difference between life and death and what it takes to, for a human life to function, what it takes to maintain human life, what it means to, to help intervene in certain situations. But I've I've spent a lot of majority of my life focusing on the existence of human life. And what I want to share with you this morning, some things that, that are very common, and you probably might take them for granted or you might not. You might already know them. You say, Kira, well, I already know all that stuff. But anyhow, the human body has four basic elements that are critical for the existence of human life. Anybody have a clue what they are? Oxygen is number one, food is number two, light is number three, and water is number four. Those are some key elements for the human body to function and on human life. We'll talk about those this morning. Most people would say that they agree that there's these four elements are all key in, in survival. And I would say that we all agree that breathing is probably the most critical element of all of them. Would you agree? Man, we got to take a breath, right? Breathing's important. Let me tell you something. If you ever get to a point where you can't breathe, you have a hard time breathing, you decide that that is a very critical issue and it's very important. Amen. Room air is made up of 21% oxygen, unless that's changed since the last time I was studying. 21% oxygen is room air. Four minutes without oxygen can cause serious issues to the human body. Just four minutes without it. Six to ten minutes can cause some pretty significant issues, and majority of time it leads to death. That's pretty critical. Six to ten minutes without oxygen can many times lead to death. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about. Without proper nutrition, when we think about this, it is safe to say that food is pretty high up on the list of important needs for the human body. Amen? Brother, Brother Wesley mentioned it this morning. Man, like, the pastor don't want to miss a meal. And you can tell he hadn't missed many. But food is high up on the list of important things that the body needs. Without proper nutrition, the body will deteriorate. 
It'll weather up. It'll get weak. It'll, it'll wither away. And it ultimately will die. And you're talking about life and death. Now, these are important things. A person can live about three weeks without food. Number, two, number three, light is a critical element for survival. Light generates energy. It helps people to, to be physically healthy. It helps with physical growth. It makes things grow. Uh, with the exception of mushrooms, I think plants require light to make them grow, but the human body is no different. It's been proven that depression is higher in environments and, and locations where there's more darkness than there is light. People in Alaska and people in the northern areas where when, you, when time changes and they have a lot of more darkness than they do light, there's an increased amount of depression. There's an increased amount of, of even suicidal issues that result as a result of lack of light. Water, most important abundant element in the human body. The majority of your human body is made out of water. Roughly 65% of the human body is made out of water. The primary makeup of the blood that flows through your veins is water. It's responsible for moving all the nutrients and all the oxygen through to the vital organs, to the tissues, everything that's important. Its majority is made up of water. Oxygen nutrition moves around it. It's important for maintaining human life from a physical standpoint. You know where I'm going with this? Yes or no? When there's a decreased amount of water in the body, the brain triggers the impulse or reveals the need for thirst. When you are thirsty, you want what? I want a drink of water. I mean, you think about it. When you get thirsty, you want a drink of water. When the pastor's up here in the pulpit preaching, he's got to have a drink of water. Amen? Because he's got to have a thirst quencher. He's got to have something that, that quenches that thirst. When you're thirsty, you want a drink of water. A person can only survive about three days without water. Even Jesus Christ himself, in the form of a physical human being, because he was part man, part, or he was fully man and fully deity and fully God, even Jesus said what? I thirst. On the cross, he says, I thirst. Even from a human standpoint, he revealed that he was thirsty. The Bible says that there are two types of water that the human body needs for survival. Water that quenches the thirst from a physical standpoint and water that quenches thirst from a spiritual standpoint. Two types of water that are required for the human body. Both of these types are extremely important, but let's look at the two, between the two. One produces a temporary result, and the other produces eternal results. People know how to get water that produces temporary results, but they don't always know how to get the water of the living water of Jesus Christ that produces eternal results. Jesus Christ has something that all people need. Amen? Christians, we know something that all people need. We have something to give people. All people need this, and they don't even know that they need it. That's what we're going to talk about this morning when you think about it. Lost people don't know what they truly need. They think they know, but they don't know what they truly need. How can someone have a need and not know what they, what they need is? How can someone have a need and not know what they need? When you think about it in a, from a physical standpoint, you know certain things that you need. But there's something that's eternal. There's something that produces eternal results. There's something that's much deeper than, than the physical, than, it, than the normal that you see that they don't even know they need. Let's study the word together this morning and see how Jesus reveals the answer to us. If you are able, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word? John chapter 4, starting in verse 1, says this. 
When Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went again to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, she asked him, for the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. Sir, she said, You don't even have a bucket, and the well is deep, so where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said, Everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Pray with me, please. Most gracious Father, God, I just ask that you bless the reading of your word. And Father, I ask that you cleanse me of every sin, cleanse me of every impurity. Father, I ask that you hide your servant behind the cross and allow me to deliver your message to your people. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Do you think that it's a coincidence on many occasions throughout the Bible where Jesus says things like this, I am the breath of life. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. And I am am the source of living water. Do you think that that's a coincidence that the Bible where Jesus is speaking thousands of years before we're even in existence, that the same things that are responsible for physical life are responsible for spiritual life, that Jesus would say what we need, that science would support those things for a certain degree, even though sometimes science wants to deviate from the word of God, but yet it is fact and, and that we look at exact same things that Jesus is talking about. Jesus made each of these statements with the understanding that all people could come to know him. That he went out of his way so that all people could experience God's grace. All people could be recipients of what God loves about them and how he loves them. All people had the opportunity to receive the gift of God. Look at this. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, heavy burden, and I will give you rest. He didn't say a certain amount of people. All people. You got to remember, throughout the Bible, Jesus is talking about all people. He's reaching to all people. He wants all people to come to know him. He wants all people to have fellowship with him. Come to me when you have a difficulty in your life. Come to me when you're having a struggle in your life, when you're having a medical issue in your life or whatever it is. Come to me when you don't know the way to turn, which way to turn. Come to me when you're tired and thirsty. Man, we all get thirsty and we all get tired. Jesus says, come to me. When you're tired and thirsty, look at that. Jesus crossed the boundaries and the barriers. He went out of his ways. Look at this. The, the, the normal route from, from where Jesus and, and the disciples were to where they were going would have been around Samaria. 
It would have been a little bit more difficult, but the Jewish people would typically do that. Jesus crossed boundaries and barriers to meet the lives of people right where they were. He went out of his way to reach lost people. One day, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus at night upstairs in a room where it's dark by himself, basically so nobody could see Nicodemus associating with Jesus. One day, he's talking about this one person, this one Pharisee who's kind of riding the fence, so to speak, knows that there's something different about Jesus, but 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 so afraid to stay step out of, of his comfort zone from where he was. And the next day you see that Jesus is sitting in the heat of the day at a well, waiting to talk to one Samaritan woman, a woman that typically the Jewish people would not have been talking to, especially a Jewish male and especially more, especially a Jewish rabbi. Hard to believe, but Jesus was in both of these situations because there was one person that needed to hear it. Both individuals needed what Jesus had, and neither one of them realized it or knew that they needed it. He had something that they needed, and they didn't even know it. The Bible says and tells us that Jesus and his disciples were on a journey, but yet they deviated from the path that the average Jewish uh, citizen would take because normally they would go around uh, Samaria when it came to Samaria, but Jewish citizens would not travel through Samaria because of the relationship that they had with these people. When you think about the Samaritan people, kind of like half-breed people, but the, the Jewish people thought that they were unclean. But when we look at this passage of Scripture, it's obvious that Jesus, the Jewish people had had some dealings with the Samaritans because the disciples were, were, were quick to just go on into town to buy some food. So you know that they would be able to, to buy food. So there had to be some kind of dealings before that. And history looks like that, that possibly some of the disciples from John the Baptist may have been in Samaria. They may have already been uh, doing some ministry work to the Samaritan people, but we don't know exactly if that's the case. But either way, the disciples didn't have any hesitation when Jesus said, go on into town to buy some food because we need some food. We need some nutrition to, to replenish our tank, so to speak. The Samaritan people were considered outcasts and they were despised by the Jews. You get wet on that one? <laughs> by the Jews. You think about this here. Look at this. They were despised by the Jewish people, but not by the king of who? The king of the Jews, not by the Messiah. Not by the one who came to reach all people. Verse 6, look at that. It says, verse 6 says, Jesus was worn out from his journey. Now, you you may have a different version that that you're reading, but it says in, in my version that Jesus was worn out from his journey and he sat down at Jacob's well to rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden, and I'll give you rest. But he sits down to rest. Can you imagine the Son of God needing to rest? Can you imagine that from his journey? Jesus was fully God, fully man. He experienced every single aspect of human life, including being tired, including being thirsty. And he experienced those issues simply because he wanted to be able to relate to every single time that I'm thirsty and that I'm tired, and that I'm worn out. That's the whole reason he experienced all of these issues. He experienced every single thing that we experience with exception of sin so that he could directly relate to the things that we deal with, the things when we feel worn out and tired. And let me tell you something. There's multiple times throughout the week that I feel worn out and tired. How about you? I know young people don't feel worn out and tired. Me and Myron, we feel worn out and tired, don't we, Myron? Jesus sent the disciples into town to get some food. Think about this. Jesus sent the disciples into town to get some food. He didn't go with them. 
All right, he'd been traveling along with them, and Jesus pretty much had been out front all this time. Jesus sent them into town to get some food. Their human bodies needed physical nourishment. They, they, they had to replenish their nutritional reserves. Jesus did not go with them. It says that he sent them not because he was too tired to make the trip, not because he was too tired to walk, not because he needed to sit at the well and rest, but because he had a divine appointment with one lost sinner. Amen. God had made this plan. God had set this arrangement. The importance of one person coming to know the Lord. This is what I'm talking about this morning. The person's importance of one person. You think about it. My whole life, if you walk through the whole life and only witness to one person, only one person comes to know the Lord, it is 100% worth it. Amen? Amen? One lost person comes to know the Lord. The Bible says when one person comes to know the Lord, all the angels in heaven are rejoicing. For one person. All of them are rejoicing. There's no magic number about, about, uh, about the amount of angels that are in heaven because it's a magnitude of people. Church, let me ask you something. Will you go out of your way to reach one person for Jesus Christ? That's what I want to hear. Yes. I want to go out of my way to reach one person for Jesus Christ. Jesus ministered and preached to thousands at one time. 5,000 people got fed one time after he preached. 4,000 people got fed at another time. But he also preached to one person at the time simply because each and every person is equally important in the eyes of the Lord. You think about it. We were all made in the image of God. Each and every person equally important in the lives of the Lord. Jesus deliberately waited at the well because God had arranged a meeting for him with someone who needed what he had. Someone that didn't even know they needed it. Someone who would be coming to get it. But yet they didn't even know they needed what he had. And he was going to be there ready to share it with them. Y'all hang in there with me because it's getting good here. It's good to me. <laughs> it was someone who came to draw water in the heat of the day. You think about it. It was someone who came to draw water in the heat of the day. That's the timing when Jesus got to the well. It was at the same time. The typical women would come to draw water in the cool of the day. But this was someone who had to come in the heat of the day because of her character and the life that she lived prevented her from coming with the other ladies to the well in the cool of the morning. She was a different type person. She was a, a lady that was less than respectable in the, in the town. It was someone who was hot, tired, and thirsty. Someone who was living a life that had been anything but productive. But Jesus went out of his way for her. I imagine that Jesus caught this Samaritan woman off guard by simply speaking to her, by simply talking to her. It was out of character for a Jewish man to speak to a Samaritan woman. And look here, here you have the source of living water asking a Samaritan woman for a drink of literal water. Literal water. He had more than she could ever possibly think about. And he's asking her for some simple, a simple drink of water. You might think that Jesus asked this woman for a drink of water because he was worn out from his journey. He was thirsty. That's what the, the Bible said. He was worn out. But Jesus is asking this woman for a drink of water. It's simply a conversation starter. Amen? It's simply a way to get the, the conversation going. Here it is. It's intentional evangelism. It's about the way to get the conversation started. It's kind of like when my meeting someone for the first time and saying, Hey, my name's Kerry. What's yours? And they tell me their name. You say, hey, you ever think about what happens to us after we die? That's a conversation start. Y'all ever had that question asked to you? Well, you, you make sure you say us. You don't say you. You ever think what happens to you after you die? Because then you're, you're singling people out. You ever think of what happens to us after we die? You ever think about the afterlife, so to speak? 
Some people say, yeah. Some people say, I don't like to talk about death. Man, I, I just want to live my life. I don't want to talk about death. Every person on this planet has a date with death. Amen. Let me tell you something. The day you were born, the date of your death was already predestined because God has, has made it for us that we have a time and place to live and a time and place to die. So every one of us is predestined to have a date with death. Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed to every man once to die and then the judgment. Every one of us has got that same day. Jesus no more needed a drink of water from this well than he needed food that the disciples were going into town to get. You think about it, when they come back and they offered him food, he said what? I've got food that you don't even know about. Who brought you food? We went into town to get you food. I've got food that you don't even know about. Jesus' conversation was an opportunity to offer a lost sinner, an opportunity to come to know Jesus Christ, an opportunity to gain something that they, they needed, but yet they didn't even know they needed it. Verse 10. If you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. If you knew it, you'd ask for it. He's offering her living water that would quench her thirst and provide her eternal life, which is a gift from God. And God provides us multiple gifts. He provides us with Jesus Christ, which is the ultimate gift. He provides us with the fact that Jesus Christ went to the cross for me and for you and to provide us salvation, something that would quench her life and provide her with eternal life. Lost sinners are blinded by the truth. They don't know what they really need. Satan will use every trick that he has to keep lost sinners from knowing the truth. Look at this. Sir, you don't even have anything to draw the water with. Where's that coming from? You don't, have a, you don't have a resource. How are you going to give me a, a drink of literal water, of living water? You don't have anything to draw it with. The well is deep. Jesus was speaking of spiritual water, a thirst quencher that never runs out. I want to talk about this. I'm going to get Daniel to help me out with this one right here. You think about this. This thirst quencher would never run out. She interpreted it to mean literal water. Think about all the nutritional drinks that claim to be thirst quenchers. If you drink one after your workout, you're going to drink one after your workout it quench your thirst. Well, guess what? You work out tomorrow, you're going to need another one. You're going to need another one. You work out the next day, you're going to need another one. You may need multiple thirst quenchers throughout the day. Every single day, you're going to need to get another one of these temporary thirst quenchers because they only provide a thirst quenching for a short period of time. How easily people confuse the material with the spiritual. How easily they, they confuse the two. They see it one way when it's certainly another way. This Samaritan woman was concerned about how Jesus would obtain this water instead of just simply asking him, give me a drink of that living water. And that's where the focus was at. That's where she should have been looking at. My thoughts. I mean, this is Carrie thinking about things that, that aren't actually written down. My thoughts on what Jesus might have said to the Samaritan woman after this encounter had taken place. He might have said something like this. You might come back tomorrow to, with your bucket to refill it because you're going to need some water from a physical standpoint. You might come back tomorrow, but if you receive the living water that I'm offering you on this particular day, you'll come back tomorrow with a different attitude than you have today. Amen. You're going to come back a different person. You're going to receive this water, but you're going to come back with a different motivation. You're going to be changed your motivation. You're going to come back with a different excitement in your life. You're going to be a, a changed individual from this point on because you're going to have secured your eternal destination in heaven, and you'll have eternal life. Everyone, 13, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I give him or her 
will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I give them will become a well of water springing up in him or her for eternal life. How true it is that the things of the world never completely satisfies. Amen? Man, the things of this world are temporary satisfaction. You think about it, man. Everything you think about from a worldly standpoint has to be replicated. It has to be reproduced. It provides temporary satisfaction. Man, that's why we do Third Sunday every month. Amen, Brother Wesley? Every month we do it because it has to be replicated, right? We could do Third Sunday every week if you want to. No matter how it is at best, it only provides temporary relief. Christians, let let me wrap it up here. We have what the world wants even though they don't know what they need. We have what they want even though they don't know that they need it or want it. Because we have what something that, that people need. All people were created in the image of God and were created to have a relationship with Him. God didn't create people to go to hell. He created people to have a relationship with Him. People make the choice on their own to not have a relationship with Him and to ultimately it end up eternally separated from Him. God didn't choose that for us. He created us in His image. It doesn't say nowhere in the Bible that God created a certain amount of people to go to heaven and some to go to hell. It says God created all people in His image. We were created to have a relationship with Him. The only way that we can have a relationship with God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's to receive Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior, have a relationship with Him, and to receive this living water of eternal life that Jesus Christ offers. Amen? And God loves us so much. You think about it. God sent His Son to this world for one purpose. He did a lot of things while He was here, but His one purpose never changed. He might have deviated from the route to touch people, but he didn't deviate from the path to the cross. It was a long ride and a long walk, but he never deviated. God loves us so much. John 3, 16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Be not going to perish because of God's love for us. Ephesians 2, 8 says this, By grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself. This is a gift of God. Man, man is a sinner. We were born with sinful nature. Nothing we can do about it. We inherited that thanks to, to, the, to the breakdown from Adam and Eve in the garden. It all came down to the, the gene pool all the way to us. We were born with that sinful nature, but God provided a solution for us. 3.23 Romans says this, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin creates a separation between us and God. We can't get to Him. He can't get to us. There had to be something to take away that barrier and God provided that through Jesus Christ to give us salvation and to give us eternal life, to give us that living water that we need. Romans ten thirteen says this, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is probably my favorite verse in the Bible because it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter how much hair you have. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. It says right here in the Bible, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He'll write your name in the Lamb's book of life. Friends, let me tell you something. When our time on this earth is over, and it's short, I don't care if it's 90 plus years, our time on this earth is not equivalent to eternity. We're going to spend eternity in one of two places, and eternity is too long to be wrong. We'll either spend eternity with the Father in heaven or away from the Father in hell. Those are the only two choices after this life. Perhaps today you want to make sure and know without a shadow of a doubt that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. Jesus made it very clear and the Bible makes it very simple. Romans 10:9. if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
If you open up your heart and you invite him in, he's just, he'll come inside. He'll move right in. The Holy Spirit is instantly in your heart. The minute you receive Jesus Christ, he moves in. And he sets up shop and he leads you every step of the way. In a moment, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. If you don't know this Jesus I've been talking about and you never experienced this living water that he has to offer, I'll be down front. I'd love to share more with you about him. I'd love to pray with you about him. Our altar is always open for you. Maybe there's something you want to lay at the foot of the cross. Our deacons are here. They're willing to pray with you. I'll pray with you. Whatever the issue is, if you're looking uh, for a church home, let me tell you something. Pine Hill is a great place to call home. Amen? It's a great place to worship. It's a great place to to be in fellowship with each other. A great place to be in fellowship with the Lord. Whatever decisions you are, the invitation is set aside for you. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. It doesn't matter what anybody else is looking at. This is something for a time for you just to be reflecting with the Holy Spirit and reflecting on what God's done for you and reflecting on what you want him to do for you. Father God, I just come before you this morning. God, I just thank you for who you are and thank you for the power in your word. God, I just thank you for the fact that you love us so much that you're willing to send living water to quench our thirst and to, quench our, to fulfill our hunger. And God, just to quench the thirst that we have for the need for Jesus. And God, I just pray if there's one person in the sound of my voice that does not know you as personal Lord and Savior. God, I just pray that this day would be the day that they would come to know you. Father, in our time together this morning, I just ask that you, Holy Spirit, just overpowers this room. God, just minister to each and every person that's in here today. God, I ask that you touch where lives need to be touched. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. Just stand, please, and turn